Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Slava. She is a proud Ukrainian who moved to the USA to receive a PhD degree, which is my goal is to get a PhD as well. (laughs) (laughs) Slava grew up in in a Ukrainian speaking West, studied in a Russian speaking Kiev. That's how they say it, right? In Ukraine is Kiev. Um, And is now living in the English speaking Virginia. So you speak three languages. Yes. That is so impressive to me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Slava, I had posted on social media asking people to connect me with anybody who would like to share a, a story about Ukraine or like we did one last Friday about the policy. We had a policy expert on um, and somebody tagged you and you said you would love to come on and just, you know, contribute a little bit uh, just to give people some insight so I'd love to kick it off with like, what was it like growing up in Ukraine? What what do you also think people don't know about Ukraine? Um, well, I feel like there was a lot, but now there's a lot less that people don't know about Ukraine because we're literally in every news outlet possible. And um, Ukraine is a very um, strong country in different senses. We have a very strong power, desire to live, to be free. But we also have a lot of strong and smart people. And so for the question of how was it to grow up in Ukraine, we have a very strong education system. So uh, from the very beginning, I was in a very nurturing environment, um, I guess, brain-wise, right? The the education is really, really good. So I went from being a straight-A student in um, High school, well, in middle school as well, all the schools. We don't have that separation, by the way. It's just school. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went, um, I was in a very Western part. I lived in a very Western part. I was born there and everybody speaks Ukrainian. And uh, half of our TV is in Russian, half of it in Ukrainian. So I grew up primarily in uh, speaking Ukrainian, understanding Russian. But when I moved to Kiev, like you said, uh, or Kiev now, so Kiev, that's a Russian word. Kiev is a Ukrainian word. And it used to always be Kiev, but now it's Kiev, which I love that. But uh, in Kiev, it's it's weird to explain that now. And it was not weird when I was living through it. But if you were speaking Ukrainian, you were sort of a... I guess an analog to a redneck in the states. I don't oh. know if I'm. Yes, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not. Oh, redneck's fine. Where I'm from, okay. like more cows than people. People like actually, people actually like like to be called a redneck. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So like, sort of like you are from the village or like a no, almost no civilization, and because of that, you are in Ukraine. If you are speaking Ukrainian you're not a cool person Oh, back okay. in my environment. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So if you wanted to fit in, if you have, wanted to have a group of friends that you would hang out with all the time, you had to speak Russian because then you were accepted. So when I heard these 
with the beginning of war that their primary motivation to go and free the Russians and Ukrainians that speak Russian and are being mistreated because of that, that was very surprising to me because I grew up in an absolutely different environment and the opposite if you did not speak Russian you were excluded from things right so that was that just shows you how bad of a propaganda that exists in Russia because I would say maybe 80 percent of people believe that they really think that they came to rescue Russian-speaking people or Russians in the eastern parts of Ukraine from us being Nazis basically that's what it is. Yeah, that's what they're yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, that's, yeah, that, that's basically the main reason why I wanted to do the podcast, because I'm a live example of all of this being not true. Yeah. It's wild. I was reading a, a news article about how people in Ukraine are calling their families in Russia and saying like, this isn't true. Like, this isn't true. Like what they're saying isn't true. And their families didn't believe them, which is wild to me. I'm like, your family members are being bombed right now. And you're going to say, no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of close stories to me like that as well. You wouldn't believe that that could be even true, but unfortunately it is. Yeah. So do you have family members that were still living in Ukraine? Yes. Where, yes. can you tell us where they are now or is that not anything you're comfortable with? Fortunately, they're in the very Western part still where I grew up and they're still there. And it's the part where all the refugees from East are coming to. Gotcha. So um, my mom has passed away several years ago. So I only have uh, my dad as a closest uh, family member over there. My sister fortunately came to visit us in the United States on the tourist visa in the mini- middle of January. So she's here. Oh, wow. Yes. And, and the rest of the immediate family is in the Western part as well. So what they're doing is because all the people that are able to fight are fighting. Yeah. All the uh, adult men from 18 to 60 who want to join the army, there's like wait lists to join the army because so many people want to do that. And all the people that can't join the army and can't fight, they contribute in any way possible. For example, my dad and um, our a group of our family friends that we live close to each other, they make vareniki every day, which is the pierogi. Okay. But a Ukrainian word would be vareniki. They make them every day, like literally buckets of them. And they ship them off to the front to Kiev or whoever needs them to feed the army. And examples like that are basically in every town. Every person is doing anything they can, giving their last money, giving their last food to those who are protecting our territory. That's so impressive because honestly, I said this on the last podcast about um, the Ukrainian-Russian war is I don't think that would happen in the United States. I honestly don't think that. I think we'd end up fighting each other (laughs) over the whole thing. I am just so impressed with one, the pride of the Ukrainian people um, and the, you know, the willingness to protect their country. The fact that Zelensky is still in the country when I know that in the United States, they would have 
like the president would have been gone. Like he would have went to a safe country and he was just like, I'm staying now. I, from what I understand, I mean, he has his own faults, like many leaders, but like that to me is super impressive. Not anymore. anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And so I can't actually partially explain why Ukrainians are the way they are right now is Ukraine is a very, very, um, first of all, it's located in a very, very good part of the world that's between Europe and Asia. It's like a transit point. Mm -hmm. Second of all, uh, we have a lot of natural resources. We have so many natural resources that it's insane. We're like number one and a couple of them for sure. And Ukrainian people are very hardworking. And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to sound unmodest, but Ukrainian women were also very greedy all the time. So all these factors plus a lot more have made it to where our territory has been a, a, a piece of a good pie for everybody. Everybody wanted the Ukrainian territory to belong to their country. So even if there's a video on YouTube showing that part of the uh, the world with how borders change over time. It's like a speed up short clip. And you can see the Ukraine going that way, that way, that way, that way. way." So we've, for centuries, people were trying to invade us and make uh, make us a part of their country. So we've been fed up with this. So this this is not the first time this has happened. And honestly, from the way that things are going, I believe this is the last time. Mm-hmm. Because I think that Ukrainians have never shown this amount of strength and willingness to fight for their freedom again and again and again. So the historical nature of our behavior is absolutely there. Yeah. The podcast that I listened to, um, one I listened to is called Pod Save the World. And they talk about they talk about things that are going on in the world. And, you know, they said on their podcast their last podcast, they were like, nobody saw it lasting this long. Like nobody had any idea that, you know, the Ukrainians would put up such a fight and other, other people are coming from across the world to help Ukrainians fight, which to me is like, that is wild. (laughs) Yes. Yes. In fact, the first three days of, or three or four, I don't remember of the war. I've been basically crying the whole day. Right. Because it's, it's just crazy. And so the, the, the first day that I was sold, sort of holding myself together, at, at the end of the day, I sit down because I get all my news from the Instagram feed because it's all my friends that are there. And I sit down and I see a repost of, I think it was a, in Great Britain, the British guy knocking on the embassy of Ukraine saying, hey, we want to join your army, like whatever it's called. And I just broke in tears because it's, you know, it's insane how people are supportive. And it it feels like almost every other country besides Russia and China are very supportive, the Ukrainian people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, all of the aid that is going to the border to help people cross and, and, you know, people holding signs saying like, you can come stay with me to strangers. I'm just like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, Cause you just don't see that. And, and mm-hmm. I, I'm so impressed. And even our, our state, like um, I live in Connecticut and even mm-hmm. our governor posted, if, if Ukrainian refugees come here, 
they're welcome in Connecticut. And it's just, Mm -hmm. to me, it's just so impressive how most of the world has come together to really help in any way they can without starting World War III. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So um, another example, I don't think I've mentioned this to you before because it was going on as we just started chatting about podcasts, but so I'm actually a part of three different fundraisers that are happening for Ukraine. And the most impressive one was um, for the World Central Kitchen. I'm pretty sure you know who Jose Andres is. He's already over there, like feeding everybody. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we made a fundraiser cooking borscht. We had some people in the house and on Zoom. And so we said in order to participate, donate to the World Central Kitchen. We have created a link and I'm looking at it right now to see how much we've collected at this point. And it's $177,000. Oh my God. Yes. So me and another lady in Virginia over here. And uh, that was about like, we thought maybe $10,000 maximum, but I think it just went viral very, very fast. So we are at almost $180,000 right now. Are, are you still doing it? So it was a well, like a one-time event on a Sunday where people all over Zoom were there and okay. people and well, we were cooking, I think maybe 45 or 50 servings of borscht for everybody in. But people keep donating because I also had um, a new screw in my house. We cooked borscht again and there was a new segment on it so we still we didn't close the the link itself yet so people keep donating and then i also the other two uh, fundraisers i'm participating um they're baking fundraisers so i love baking and i have sort of like a side business for baking and i started baking these ukrainian traditional traditional pastries they're called hodishki which is they shaped like walnut shells Gotcha. And they're filled with dulce de leche and hazelnuts inside of them. Oh, my. Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> people are willing to donate because I've also asked for a ridiculous amount, $75 per dozen, which is that's not their price, but because it's for the good cause. And I believe I'm about at $7,000 over there, made wow. over a hundred dozen of those. Oh, my God. At this point. Yes. Are you shipping <laughs> them to people? Uh, no, well, people buy them and then ship them to their family so they can be gotcha. shipped. But if I, I shipped two dozen uh, because it, someone donated for and wanted the, the cookies for their Ukrainian friends that live far away. Aww. Yeah, which was very sweet. So I said, yes, I'm going to go ship. And they just paid for the shipping separately. So gotcha. we did ship a few of them. Yeah, so we're doing that. And then in Virginia, we have a second and third round, I think it's about 20 lo- local uh, bakers are donating uh, a couple of dozen of each of their baking goods to this assortment box. And we are also exchanging it for the donations as well. So I think I'm very close to being like $200,000 total with all of my fundraisers. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I mean, <laughs> to me, that seems like an astronomical amount of money. Believe me, to me too. Yes. And that's the point of me saying all of this is, this is another way in which the community everywhere shows how supportive they are of everything that we're doing. Because we even have people, 
donating in Canadian dollars and euros and British pounds and all sorts of currencies. So it's all over the place now. Yeah, I, it's, I've been blown away at the generosity of people and like every little bit counts, right? Even if you only yes. have like $5 to donate, like it adds up. I mean, think there's so many people in the United States that if everybody even just like donated a dollar, yeah. Yes. we're talking about, I think there's 300 million, 300 yeah. and some odd million people in the United States. So even if everybody donated a dollar, that would be just a, a wild amount of money. Absolutely. Um, but you so can it, also see that even uh, stars are doing the donations. They're matching the donations as well. One of them I know is uh, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. And then the other one is Mila Kunis, which is she's Ukrainian. Yeah. And she's doing it as well with Ashton Kutcher. And it's just it, that support, even though it does not save the lives of all the people and specifically children that died. Yeah. But it gives us a little bit of hope for the future. So what is it like for you watching the footage? Because I imagine you see the footage of everything. What is what does that feel like? Honestly, like I said before, I cried for the first couple of days. But then you you sort of you see the pictures, but you still don't relate to it because I'm here in the States mm-hmm. and not I can't even express it it's not like you don't relate it's just it's like a movie yeah to you a a movie based on real events but it's still a movie and when the worst thing for me and when I was absolutely just I don't know devastated was when they started bombing the children's hospital and maternity Mm -hmm. ward in Mariupol and that got to me even closer than anything else because I have a two and a half year old son and just remotely imagining that he might have in any case, in any point of life been in that situation, it was yeah. just heartbreaking. And then a couple of days ago, unfortunately, I saw the news that the picture of the pregnant lady being yeah. carried out, she died and the baby died as well, which is everybody who is responsible for that directly or indirectly needs to be stopped because this is not humane this is worse than anything that we've seen before i mean they are um human rights violations and war crimes that we're talking about right now like i think last i saw uh russia was up to like 50 different war crimes that like there are, I guess there's rules, right? When you go to war, I mean, you would, you would think like with yes, war, it's yes, like all yes. out, whatever, do whatever. But I guess there are rules that if you violate them, they are war crimes. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. the bombing of uh, ho- children or hospitals, period. Um, yes. Because I saw a video about them taking um, preemie babies into a bomb shelter and my twins were premature. Uh, and so I know like how, how much it takes to keep them alive. Right. And so these nurses had to have just been constantly like helping these babies. Yeah. Like with the thing, yeah. That keep the, the air going flowing. Yeah. Yeah. And and just to keep them alive. And I'm like, wow. Like, and I can't even imagine being in that situation and how brave those people are to just be like, I'm just going to keep doing my job. 
Yeah. 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 It's, we have shown bravery and courage. I don't think ever seen before, even I don't want to uh, reduce the world war two to less of an important thing. Cause it was just as important, just as bad, but because I was not there, this feels more real. Right. So it just feels like everybody who is against the war is coming together and showing the best qualities there are in people. And Ukraine, back back way back, used to be part of the USSR. Mm-hmm. How yeah. did, do you, I mean, I'm sure you know, because you probably learned history growing up. How did yeah. that, like, how did Ukraine become their own entity? So um, the, I'll, I'll start from how Ukraine became a part of the USSR, and I'll just summarize it saying by the same manipulations and propaganda that has been happening right now, because I think Russian leaders tend to have a one common um, character feature is they think that they're kings and gods of everything and everybody needs to belong to them. So um, the USSR is was formed on the premise that this is our greatest country in the world and you guys want to be a part of it, right? And so the Ukraine became independent in 1991. I was only two years old. Not that long ago. (laughs) Not that, yeah, I don't remember any of that too too much. But what I know is that when the next crazy leader was taken off of the presidentship, that sort of allowed for a push for us to say, hey, no, but we're not, a part of Russia. We're not a part of USSR. We are our own independent country with our independent traditions, language, our land. We are separate. We want to be separate. And basically, ever since, the Russian government has been very bitter about it. Mm. And Putin is just a, he's a representation of the whole government in the, the most sickest mentally ill form that has the biggest power. And so what, it, what is even worse, I don't know if people in the States realize that, but it's not just the, that Putin is crazy and he wants all of this. So what has happened is for, because he was so angry and so scary to his um, subordinates, immediate subordinates, those people started lying to him and giving him the facts that he would be okay with, that he would like. And so Putin did not have a clear understanding of what is happening in the world. For example, they have been telling him that our army, meaning Russian army, is so good, it's so well equipped, it's so well trained, it has a very good national spirit. But in fact, what has been happening is they were just, those same politicians at the higher levels were stealing from the army and selling the equipment, the food, like the, the dry food that's supposed to be for the war, they were selling anything they could and everything they could to make money for themselves. Mm. And we, and even the first few days of war, a lot of, we had a lot of videos of when the tank was abandoned by Russians and they escaped, the guys from the Ukrainian army were taking videos of, the, of those tanks as they approached them. And there were no, um, like the tanks or there were supposed to be like all the equipment inside of it. I don't know what the names of it are, right? Yeah. But there's just a hole where that equipment used to be. Oh, so wow. it's not Ukrainians that stole it. It's the tanks 
and all the equipment that was just robbed of their most essential parts. I believe I heard that somewhere um, they were testing the, the tanks to be in a working condition or not. So the working condition tanks, 35% of them did not start. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. This is this tells you how delusional Putin is, not only because he is, uh, and I believe this to be true, he is mentally ill, certifiably ill, but he also had no idea about the, the, the situation around him at all. He's been fed lies to make sure he doesn't get angry at his immediate subordinates for years now. Yeah. Uh, so I've seen posts on, on because the propaganda about the Russian army being so amazing spread everywhere. Like here, people, be- we all believed that the yeah. Russian army was amazing and you don't want to go to war with them because they're, they're so great because that mm-hmm. was the propaganda that was spread. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then like, people were like, how are they getting beat? By the, by the Ukrainian army and people that are volunteering and don't even have the training mm-hmm. if they're such a great army. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's why in, in, in Russia, like you don't have a choice, right? About being part of the army. You get conscripted. Yeah, you have to do, I'm, I'm not quite sure if it's a year or two, but it's, you, you have to go unless you're sick or you have one of the conditions that allows you not to serve but you have to serve i believe two years maybe Maybe, i don't know i'm not going to be but yeah yeah so they don't even have a choice about joining Mm -mm. the military over there no and then another level of i don't know if there's been a hurt here or not but i've seen a lot of videos of russian soldiers that are um, prisoners in ukraine right now and so the worst part of it when it started they were told they're going to a two-sided, meaning two countries, Belarus and Russia training, military training. So they went to Belarus for the training and the war started at 4 a.m. So at 3 a.m. they were told, we're gonna go invade Ukraine now. So of course now people that that go here to, to Ukraine, they know where they're going, but all these soldiers at the beginning, they thought they were at training. No one knew there's gonna be war. That's how twisted everything is there. Yeah. I mean, Putin is a maniacal (laughs) person. Like, I don't know if like, I don't know if I would go as far as like mentally ill, because I feel like that, like, you know, that, that makes it out to be like all mentally ill people are, are dangerous, but I mean, he could have like narcissistic personality disorders on that level. Just look at the length of the table that he sits at with his ministers. That's a parent paranoia, right? He's paranoid yeah. about yeah. So that's that just that gives you an idea that there's something wrong with him. So maybe like paranoid delusions. Yeah. yeah. Narcissistic personality disorder. I'm not a, a mental health professional. I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm just no. guesstimating here. <laughs> some some people even say that the reason he is acting the way he is right now is because he is, um, he has like cancer or something that he has only little time oh, to live. Yeah. And so he's basically, he wants to go out with a bang. Gotcha. And I listen to um, a podcast. I'm listening to a lot of podcasts and videos <laughs> on YouTube about everything right now as well. 
And so we have a, a counselor, I don't know his specific, um, um, his last name is Orestovich. He's a counselor to our president, I guess, right now in the war times, especially. He's been saying since 2019 or earlier that the, there's gonna be a war. And so what he has said is basically right now, Russia, is, they've never expected Ukraine to fight back so much. So they yeah. are, they don't know what to do right now because they can't come back home without anything, without a victory. But because of how our army specifically and our president as well behaved, they sort of, they start to back back away with even with their um, negotiation. Hmm. They are, yeah, so he, he called the negotiation successful. So according to the law, they're not allowed to say what the negotiations are about, what right. the party sides are. But he is saying that we're doing good and he predicts the war to be maybe till the end of April. That's still a long time. Yes. Yeah. That's still a long yeah. time. I wouldn't be surprised if Putin has like some, you know, uh, chronic illness or, you know, terminal illness. And, mm -hmm. and he ends up like, that's why he's acting out is like, he feels like he needs to like build Russia up before he goes. Yeah. You know? Because he tried to kill <laughs> the person that was running against him. No, finally. Yeah. Yeah. Navalny uh, is in prison right now. They imprisoned yes. him. They poisoned him and imprisoned him because yes. he was running against Putin. And, and I mean, if anybody's seen the videos coming out of Russia of the protesters, like they don't realize like Russia does not have the freedom to protest the way that you do in the United States. Oh, no. <laughs> it's um, so Belarus. That's another point. And about the freedom to protest, here's my point. I have a friend who I met a long time ago who is from Belarus, but he moved out. And so he texted me saying, I'm sorry for everything that my people are doing as well. And I asked him to explain why are people not speaking out? What What is wrong? And he said, well, imagine the lack of the freedom of speech in Russia, they have done the same thing in Belarus now as well. Oh. They can get up to what, like 20 years in prison for saying something wrong. They are not allowed to speak. I mean, we have seen multiple videos of Russian uh, police kicking women and dragging old women or old men that are peacefully protesting just because they're protesting against the current government which is unheard of anywhere, I guess, besides North Korea, right? Right. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying that Russia is worse than North Korea at this moment. Seems like it to me. They just passed a law, a, a fake news. I put that mm -hmm. in quotation marks. Nobody can see me. A fake yeah. news law that if they have determined you spread fake news, you can get up to 10 years in prison. I think it's 15. Is it 15? I, I think it's 15 now. Yeah. I mean, yes. and, and it's whatever they determine as fake news, which could actually be real news. <laughs> yes. There's a, a YouTube and a radio station or like a YouTube uh, channel called Dorst, which is rain. And they are Russian and they have been trying to speak the truth for um, years now. So Russia first declared them an, um, like an, 
international sort of like not Russian, but international agent because they're speaking the truth and now they banned them. They closed their channel and everything. So all the people that were working for that uh, crew, they are they fled Russia and they're trying to see if they can do anything because that was basically one whole one media in Russia that sort of spoke truth. How do you spell that word? It's, um, let me see, because I mean, it's in Russian, let me see if they. So I can find them on YouTube and link it. Okay, so it's uh, okay. So it's tvrain.ru because Dorsch that's rain. So it's tvrain.ru. Okay, I will. I will look them up and link that um, so that we can we can see. You said they have a YouTube channel. They do, yeah. But I, I just went to their website. They stopped their uh, work for on the March fourth. So far, gotcha. but the the people that were the correspondents and the newscast and everything, they have their own um, YouTube channels where they talk. Wow, I mean, I I give all of the people one the protesters um, credit because they're putting their lives on the line just to protest, but also like these like these influencers and news outlets and all these people who are speaking out and then having to deal with the backlash of that ending up in prison or having to like flee Russia because like there's now a bounty on their heads that that to me is is absolutely amazing yeah okay so since we talk about this I want to address the yesterday's um did you see this a Russian tv channel the live broadcast someone where she's holding the sign yes so now uh, a lot of experts in ukraine are saying that was not accidental that they let her on that was intentional and it's sort of like a twisted step by russian media to first of all everybody's talking about it today so she's like the number one star Second of all, there's no live stream in Russian TV. It's all um, back like 10, 15, 20 seconds to make sure they cut out things like that. So I think this was a planned sabotage action by the channel itself to first get the attention on them because she's so such a brave hero and all of it. Second of all, maybe to um, give everybody else in the world an opinion. So, okay, maybe there are good people in Russia who are trying to speak up. So unfortunately, most of the things point to the fact that that was a planned accident, quote unquote. Gotcha. Yeah, which makes it even more twisted. It's... I feel like this whole thing is so wild. I mean, I'm like you. I mean, I don't have any personal connection to Ukraine, but it to me is like watching a movie too. And then we're just waiting. So I know people in the military here and they're just prepping. Like they're just waiting to see what happens and and being ready if they have to go. Like um, what people don't realize is the reason that no other country has entered yet is, I mean, if they listened to my last episode, they'd realize this is if like Poland enters the whole entire NATO enters, like the NATO countries, the deal is, is you back each other up and then we will have world war three. Um, so that's why no, they haven't directly entered Ukraine 
but they've, I mean, they've aided in other ways, like, right. Other yeah. ways that they feel like they're not crossing a line, but they're just waiting for Putin to like do something to one of the NATO countries in any way. And then they're yeah. all, they're all, all ready to go in. I just read an article about how they sent more troops from the American army to Poland, to mm-hmm. the border, just waiting. Yeah. He is 15 miles from the border. The, the missile that was yesterday or the day before yesterday that hit, it hit an international peacemaking center and next to Lviv. It was 15 miles from the Polish border. He's really, he's really pushing it. He's really yeah. trying to like. And on, honestly, this is one, I, I know maybe other people have a different opinion, but I, I, I think NATO is being very unreasonable by waiting. First of all, there was a Budapest memorandum in which NATO, Russia, and Ukraine took part. And they said, Ukraine needs to give up all the nuclear weapons in exchange for protection from NATO and Russia. We did. Obviously, we can't get any protection from Russia because they're trying to kill all of us. And now anybody else? No, no one's doing anything. So I believe that I understand the politics of not getting involved by mm-hmm. NATO right now. I logically understand it, but I also believe that this is a very wrong choice not to get involved because it's NATO versus Russia. There's no third world war. They're going to be done. Russia is out of breath at this point. Right. You know, and we don't need involvement. We just need to close the sky over Ukraine or give us an opportunity to do so because our president said, if you don't want to give us the no flyover, yes, just let us buy those. Let us buy the equipment and the jets and everything. We're going to take uh, loans everywhere. We're going to empty our budget to do that. They are not even letting them buy. Yeah. Which is, I believe that is, it's, it's, very unfair after you make us give up our weapon that could could have protected us. And then we have now we have Russia um, bombing our nuclear plants, Chernobyl, which is was a disaster. It's controlled by Russians and it was out of uh, power for I think it still is for all the cooling of the the reactors. Yeah. And it could have been an explosion. I don't know what they're planning right now because honestly at this point. I, I used to say, no, there's not going to be any nuclear explosions, right? He, he, he's not going to do that, but I don't know anymore. Honestly, I don't. You can't trust him. And I didn't realize Chernobyl was in Ukraine. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it's it was in Russia. very close to Poland, too. No, it's in Ukraine. Yeah, I learned that, uh, like, during this whole thing. And I was like, how did I, I had no idea. Um, yeah. in, until they said, like, on the news, they said they... Russia, Russian troops enter Chernobyl. And I was like, Chernobyl's in Ukraine. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, that just shows how little we learn these things in in school over here, right? Like it's it's America first history here. Like it's not, you don't learn a lot about world history. Have you seen the Netflix special in Chernobyl? No, we're going to watch it when I'm emotionally in a place to watch it. (laughs) So- 
my my FYI or like my nota banner, whatever you want to call it for this um, special, it shows, and it was a back of the USSR uh, government and all the politicians that were involved in the decisions. So take their decisions and just put them on a current situation because their logic and their twistedness and their self-interest is probably even worse now. So when I look, watched it, there's a lot of inconsistencies with actually what was happening. But the fact that, so we had a parade in Kiev uh, a couple of days after the explosion and everybody kept quiet because they didn't know what to do. So they allowed millions of people to go out on a sunny day and spend the whole day in sun that was radioactive at that point and get exposed, not because they didn't want bed press. Wow. And there were millions of people out for the whole day because it's a um, May 1st parade, which is the, the, the victory and everything. All, all of our uh, army is out. They're marching on the main street in Kiev and all that. And they did not do anything days after it exploded. And and that could potentially cause health. I mean, that could have potentially. It did. It did cause health problems. That's where I was going with that. Is I'm sure that it caused a lot of health problems for people because that's yes. very dangerous. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah. This is absolutely amazing to me. And, and, and I want to say, I really appreciate you sharing your story and your insight and your knowledge with us. Um, but, uh, as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? Uh, so this war has brought a lot of victims that should not should never have been the victims of anything, right? And so I will give an example of what I was feeling. I was feeling very helpless because I'm all the way over here and I can't do anything directly. And that's why I started going to the White House, protesting over there, doing the fundraisers, trying to raise money. And my message would be even... Every small thing, like you said, every dollar, every $5 makes a difference. And if you don't know what to do, speak up on all of the platforms that are available for you. Talk about it. Talk about other countries and NATO needing to help us Mm -hmm. because Ukrainians are not fighting just for Ukraine right now. We are fighting basically for the whole world. Because if he, which he won't, but if he succeeds in Ukraine, he's going to go further and further and further. Mm-hmm. So the attempts by NATO to not start the World War III are actually, I mean, it's already started. It's just Ukraine is just a testing ground, mm-hmm. you know. So everybody needs to remember that the reason we are asking for help is not be- it's not because we're weak or uh, we are unable to do it. We are asking for help because we are fighting for the whole world. And the more help we have, the less children die in Ukraine. And that's the main point. We want to prevent death. You know, we will win. 
I'm sure. I, I, in fact, I think this is a turning point in the history of Ukraine. I think we're going to be a prosperous country after we rebuild. But we need everybody's help right now. We need everybody posting, asking NATO to close the sky over Ukraine because this is the main thing. Let just allow us to close it if you don't want to close it for now. When I talked about Russians and not, them not speaking up, I say that everybody who is quiet is just as responsible as those who are fighting and killing Ukrainians. So everybody in the entire world needs to do at least something. If everybody gets together, like we already have a lot of examples, we will win this and win it as quickly as possible. I agree with you. I don't think Putin will stop if he wins Ukraine. Like, I don't, I think mm-hmm. he, it, it'll feed his ego and he'll just yeah. keep going. I don't yeah. think he'll stop. Um, well, Slava, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, for sharing your story. And, and hopefully it helps to open some eyes coming from a personal experience. Um, yeah. And I'm going to link up the World Central Kitchen so people can uh, donate. I'm also going to connect to your, you know, Facebook page when I post, um, your mm-hmm. Instagram page, so people mm-hmm. can connect with you and keep up and, you know, Absolutely. be able to, um, participate if they see anything, um, from you, like, you know, these different fundraisers that you're doing. So yes. uh, again, yes. thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Absolutely. I appreciate the ability to share a personal story that is you know, because if it's a politician speaking about a situation is different, but it's, it's my country, it's my people, it's my land, and we deserve help. We don't deserve the war. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.